Welcome. I'm Kevin Miller, and this podcast is called Self-Helpful because not all self-help is helpful. I'm your curator, critic, and translator of the best and brightest minds in the self-help world today. Radical self-awareness and how to take responsibility for your personal blind spots. One of the gravest dangers of our lives or our progress is we don't know what we don't know. I mean, I don't think I'm dumb, but I will always have areas of ignorance to address. I mean, ignorance is merely lacking knowledge, information, or awareness about a particular thing. It's our job to continually pursue our own self-awareness. Here I'm back with Dr. Nita Bouchon. She's author of That Sucked, Now What? How to Embrace the Joy in Chaos and Find Magic in the Mess. That's what we discussed in our first show together. This is part two, where I walk with Nita through her personal values, motives, and habits. And it was in discussing her spirituality, where she talked about RSA, radical self-awareness, and taking responsibility for our blind spots. As time goes on, this is where I really put the greatest value for myself and others. I found people with exceptional success in some areas of life who suffer greatly, especially relationally and with personal peace, because they are really forward-thinking and achieving, but not internally focused and aware. And I've been one of those people. Nita and I get more into this shortly. Another topic is relationships that we, of course, discuss. And Nita talked about her desire for authentic relationships, deep relationships. And I said, yeah, of course, that's what we all want. But many people struggle with how to find and have these. She surprised me with a resource that she has on just that, how to create authentic relationships. That was intriguing to me. You can sign up with Nita at, here's the URL, that sucked now what.com slash resources, uh, sign up with your email. She'll send a, a document to you. Uh, we cover her personal health values, money, and more. And I was intrigued in the work and career section where we ended up in alignment with radical self-awareness discussing in our work, the need for an opportunity in, I called it RPA radical purpose awareness. That was a really good discussion. Uh, it was all just a rich discussion. Dr. Nita Bouchon again is, uh, she founded the global grit Institute. She's co-founder of Dharma coaching Institute. She has over 165,000 followers on Instagram and a popular podcast, the brave table where people Tune in to hear her guidance on bouncing back. Uh, Again, you can check out her new book, That Sucked, Now What? How to Embrace the Joy in Chaos and Find Magic in the Mess. The Self-Helpful Podcast was founded by the Zig Ziglar Corporation. If you are a coach or consultant and want to add credibility, clients, and impact to your business, go to Ziglar.com today. Friends, this podcast exists to help you find and understand the guidance and counsel that will help you elevate your personal experience of life and the way you show up for others. Following these sponsors who help make the show possible and provide great resources for your life, I bring you Dr. Nita Bouchon and a walk through her personal values, motives, and habits. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a 
tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Nita, we started off part one talking about the deaths in your family, brother, mother, father. And in that you talked about, especially after your father, like, so, you know, you, you lost your mother, your brother, and, and now your, your father, and you're like, oh, holy smokes, rage, just that initial feeling of rage. And you use the term of forgiving, uh, mm-hmm. people that you needed to forgive, forgive your upbringing, but then you started naming it. And of course I'm thinking, I, you know, I, I don't know where you sit spiritually. That's our, that's our lead off here, but what a great mm-hmm. spot there to say uh, some anger at Wherever you may fall spiritually, whether that's God or the universe or whatnot, that's what tends to come into play. And as you well know, that can be a deal killer because that can undermine existence overall. So I'll throw that as the premise to leading off with your comment on that and then your value spiritually and what you're doing. Yeah. So I think that, you know, the big factor for me even growing up and to be able to rise amongst such adversity because um you know as we shared in the first part of the podcast things could have gone several different ways and i think the you know one of the big factors was also how we were raised in terms of spirituality. Religion was definitely a play. Um, We were raised in religion. Um, My mom was, you know, she's Filipino. So we, we were raised with like Roman Catholic going to church on Sundays, um, going to CCD, uh, you know, following the rules, uh, going to confession, (laughs) that sort of thing. But my dad, you know, him being from India and uh, he was very spiritual. Um, He grew up at a time where, uh, you know, right around before the partition of India and Pakistan. And so where the the place where he was born in India and Patial and Punjab, basically um, there were, you know, he grew up going to the Sikh temples, the Gurdwaras, and he grew up going to the Hindu temples. We had family and friends who were, you know, going to the mosque. And so immigrating to the U.S. in in Chicago really was where I was born and raised. He always shared that no matter where you go, just just go. And you'll see that all of these houses of worship are all similar and this came to fold in a lot of the actions that he would do because on sundays he would sometimes come to church with us but that was his spiritual day and he never once said you have to follow what i'm doing 
he was like, go pick your flavor. And, you know, during my high school years, the, the, the crazy tumultuous years, uh, he encouraged even our evangelical Christian Christian f- friends to be singing and worshiping at the hospital for my mom. And mm. so we were just constantly immersed in, you know, spirituality and in many senses. And, but I think it, shifted so much because on Sundays, you know, we have this vision of we would come back from church and he would actually be in his, you know, in his, uh, he had a meditation room and basically where he would do his pujas, which are prayers, and he would just be chanting Hmm. and chanting 108 times. He had his mala beads, which now we think, you know, are, uh, uh, it's, it's like the cool thing to wear when you go to like a spiritual retreat and everything. But we had them really long in, in, you know, in, in his meditation room. Um, and I remember when we were young, my brothers, both of them and I, we would run into his room to try to like get him to stop meditating because we'd be a full chant. And he would, we were like chase after him and like go into his room, grab the beads, come back out and think it's like the funniest thing. And he would never really get upset. You know, he'd just like come back out. He'd still be like in his mantra chanting, come out, grab the beads from us, go back in, shut the door, lock it. And it wouldn't phase him. And so while back then I was resistant, I thought, okay, what does he do? Like, it's so weird. Like, you know, but later on, when I would go through some of my darkest times, um, like going through my divorce, being in um, an abusive marriage and relationship, and this was a decade after all of my losses, to really be at kind of my, you know, at my feet and just say, I need help, God, Mm. Lord, universe, whomever. And, um, and 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 that's where I started to go back to my roots. Hmm. And, you know, he didn't have to say, I need you to do this all the time. You know, my mom did that. And, you know, look where, look where that's got us. Uh, but he gave that open space. And we had a lot of spiritual texts in our house, um, you know, from like, uh, oh, gosh, you know, all of the all the gurus now who we, we kind of like love and and but there was never a force. It was just, you know, do as 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 you will. But we would go to India almost not every summer, but I remember at least, you know, five times as a kid. And we would go there in, you know, sometimes in the winter, sometimes in the summer. Um, And so you would see this like spiritual reverence of, you know, doing kind of these offerings back to the land. And so that was ingrained in us, uh, even if he didn't really have to share until then I went back to India. I started immersing myself in spirituality. I started immersing myself in different kinds of conversations. And one of the books that actually, you know, really helped. And I remember a friend gifting it to me in college, you know, after when I was like in my full rage moments, but it was Neil Donald Walsh, you know, it was like the conversations with God, uh, you know, that book. And, and, and it was like, oh, this is something like my dad would talk about, you know, like he was very spiritual in that aspect. But uh, so I think that me then going back to my roots of, of after the divorce, going into an ashram, going into, uh, you know, yoga and, and meditation and really deeply doing it as a practice 
And then I'm like, oh, this is what my dad did. And then I had more reverence for it, you know, years later. Um, there was a time even during my, you know, when we had lost my my brother, my dad was like, go to, you know, my evangelical Christian friends were like, you know, take her to Bible study, take her to all of these things, because he just wanted yeah. us to learn. And I think that was his way of saying, you know, something is is better than nothing. And I think we just want our kids now that I'm, you know, having my own children, I'm like, oh, wow, I, I do want to, you know, I think there's something around dogma. But I think when we actually ask ourselves questions around spirituality and, you know, connecting back to self. I think that's the biggest thing. That's what we were talking about, you know, in, in part one of this is like your RSA and how do you develop that muscle? Well, it's looking inward. It is quieting our minds. It is, you know, sitting in stillness. It is delaying gratification. Uh, you know, it's in, in many times, right? Uh, not your entire life, but I think, you know, you're not going to have that candy right now. Uh, maybe you'll, you can savor it later on. And, and, and so, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's my biggest, it's been my biggest strength to now have such a big capacity for, you know, love. And, and now I say religion is love because, you know, we, we all have our own different beliefs, but I think it's also to be able to see um, the through line, um, you know, through through all of those facets that, that make us human. Well, and it's interesting to me to think about the constructs of resilience, of bouncing back, and to wonder, to look, you know, to statistically to see those who are doing it well, those who have health in it. Where do spiritual beliefs and or practices fall in that? And I see you citing for yourself both, but that'd be an, well, I'll ask you that just real briefly that as you work with people, and this is your topic that do you see as a, not some black and white formula, but as an ingredient in, in those things, in bouncing back in resilience that generally having a spiritual component seems to add into some of the health. Oh, absolutely. I think you can't, I think in order for us to take personal responsibility for growing, for seeing our blind spots, for embracing, you know, the things that didn't go, you know, on in our life, uh, it's not just, you know, I don't talk about religion and dogma per se, but I'm actually talking about a connection back to yourself and that connection back to yourself is, you know, one of the fundamental ingredients. One of my signature programs, um, you know, called elevate your life. And there's, I talk about six different pillars. Well, the, you know, the one pillar that we need to sustain the rest of the five pillars wholeheartedly and holistically is that connection back to self. Because many times if we, you know, don't have that, it's kind of like our North star and it's, you know, it's again, it's checking back in with ourselves. And so are we having this practice? And it could be, you know, if you're listening to this thinking, well, what is, what is that spiritual practice that I have, you know, right now for myself with two small, you know, toddlers, in the morning, I don't have time for a long 20 minute uh, prayer or meditation practice. I don't. And I'd be lying to you if I did. Um, but some days, do I have five minutes? Sure. Some days, can I make 
and most days, can I make my chai ritual practice um, a sacred ceremonious practice, giving reverence to myself? Because yeah. I studied, I, you know, I, I, I did travel to about now 60 countries, and I love how to see cultures, um, you know, have reverence for their own practices. And there was a time where, you know, even the Japanese, they have their Japanese tea ceremony mm -hmm. and they're giving reverence to every aspect of making, you know, getting the water, um, pouring intentions, loving intentions into the water, uh, you know, putting the the tea leaves inside of the you know, the little, the, the tea kettle so that it steeps. And then you're taking a few breaths in. Well, that's what I do when I'm actually making my chai, even though my kids might be screaming in the morning, they might want, you know, one All wants right. to be carried. The other one is like rolling around and I don't even pay attention to that. I will focus on, all right, this is all you know, spiritual practice, but this is for me. This is what I need to fill myself up. Some people are like, oh, does that mean that, um, you know, maybe, I, you know, I, I do that when I'm, when I'm, when I'm drawing myself a bath, mm -hmm. I do that when I'm actually like in the garden tending to the weeds. All right. Perfect. Uh, you know, my husband does that when he's making us a full, you know, two or three course meal and he's chopping the vegetables and it's very meditative, you know, mm -hmm. and, and 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 that's where you know we're 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 connecting back to ourselves so absolutely whatever you have in the season of life and i always encourage people you know pick one or two things that you know that is like church for you i've heard because i used to be a triathlete i mean amateur um but i mean I, I know that some people say running for them on the treadmill or outside is like church. That was not ever a spiritual experience for me. Yeah. But I know that, you know, when I would do my uh, uh, bikes, my, my road biking on the road, when I would do like century bike rides, I'm like, that was my life. I love that. And I'm like, how do I get back into that? And I'm still trying to figure that out. Um because you know it's it's different now that we're we're in Austin you have to like plan out like where you go cycling and things like that yeah. but when i lived in chicago that's what i did for you know 3 or 4 years that was my happy place yeah. and yes the water is also my happy place but there's something when you're biking and you probably know this from your days uh when, when you're biking and you're you just have this abandon for everything else and you're so focused but I mean, that's, and, and you're just absorbing the beauty when you're so immersed. Mm. And of course you're creating your own flow state of like, this is what I'm doing right now. Yeah. And, and just so grateful for where you are at. That's now how I actually do this. And like the tiny small moments of my five minutes, whether it's on the mat, the yoga mat, or whether it's in my kitchen brewing a cup of chai and simmering the ginger and the cardamom and the saffron and the, you know, the fennel seeds crushing, you know, the, the black pepper that goes into it and just like inhaling it all in. Um, but to give ourselves moments of that, where we have that connection. I love the connection. I love you bringing that's a connection. The spirituality is a connection back to self. I think we, I think we miss that we think it's just an external, especially those from a religious standpoint. Well, next one is real on that note, relationships. Um, mm -hmm. tell me about what bubbles to the surface as your values. When you look at the relationships that you care about for your life. 
Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top-tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all on Yahoo Finance is a, an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they're hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. YahooFinance.com. Yeah, so I've been known for many, many years as like the community builder, as the relationship builder. And, you know, looking back, and I also talk about it in the book, you know, part three of, 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 of the book is called fly forward well how do we want to fly forward in our life past those sucky moments and a lot of it has to do with what are the relationships that we want to call into our life Hmm. and the friendships and for me because i lost pretty much most of my family before i was 20 and I remember even at 16 years old, I shared with you while, you know, some of my friends would come to the hospital and sing and play guitar and bring their keyboard and just jam it out. We weren't, you know, at a rave. (laughs) We were in a hospital room. And that was a level of community that I was so grateful to have that I was able to cultivate. And those are still the same skill sets that now I do. And I've been able to do this even after, you know, my tumultuous divorce where got a restraining order, had to pack up my bags, left in the middle of the night, left a whole, you know, community uh, that knew, you know, my ex and I in this way, because I just needed to recreate new friends. And 
it's the same skill set around being invitational, having curiosity, um, having like-minded interests, which is why, you know, I got into uh, biking and swimming and, and triathlon and, um, you know, all of these things. Cause I was, it was in the middle of my like, you know, late twenties, early thirties where most people were going out to the clubs and I just didn't want to do that. Uh, and so, and, and yoga became a community. And so, you know, and then when I started to delve into different psychedelics and plant medicine journeys and retreats, you know, that was another community. And I think that um, if we can even, and there was this, there was this, um, I think there's a Cygna study that just came out around, I think 59% of people can say that they only have maybe one person that knows them deeply. Mm-hmm meaning that there's a lot of loneliness um, out in the world. And that's shocking, but it's not shocking because we think that relationships, you know, are built like, okay, we have online and we can do things online. No, nothing is better than like in person and being able to actually be vulnerable and go first. It's kind of like, you know, so so I prioritize, you know, growing friendships. And I know that in this season of my life, and I know many moms who don't do that. And then what happens when we don't have a community that supports us, you know, we are hiding our shame in the closet. We're hiding our guilt in the closet. We're hiding our vulnerability because we're pretending like, oh yeah, how are you? And then we're like, yeah, everything's fine, fine. Actually, no, it's not fine. Like, what are you working through right now? You know, and so I have a whole, you know, toolbox in the book as well as on resources. That's like now what.com forward slash resources for anyone who struggles in building authentic relationships. Because for me, relationship building has been the through line for my life and um, how we actually thrive in our lives. Like we can do things alone and we can, you know, travel the world alone. And I've done that, but it's so much better, juicier, delicious when we can share it with somebody else. We're not meant to be monks living on a, you know, on a mountaintop, just meditating all day. Right. And I've seen that and I'm like, wow, we are so wired for connection, but I think we're so afraid to make the first move because who's afraid? I mean, we're all kind of afraid of rejection, right? We want to just belong. And I think that's really what gets people stuck is to say, hey, um, you know, having the tools to invite somebody in and say, I'd love to get a cup of coffee or I'd love to go on a walk. I'd love to go on a tea um, chat with you or, you know, what are you doing next week between X and X? And I think when we take these micro rejections, we take it to heart as if that person is not open to a new relationship where I think, you know, right now, maybe this is sparking an idea of, okay, if you haven't reached out to a friend or two or three, or maybe there are people that you're like, I'd love to get to know her better. I'd love to get to know that person better. Write it down and see how many touch points are you willing to have? Because in the beginning, it's kind of like a courtship. You know, everyone has busy lives Mm -hmm. and you're only going to be with that same group that you've probably been with because you have, you know, experience but what if you start saying, hey, I really deepen this connection and I, I, I'd love to get to know you more. Let's drop in next week. Okay, fine. Next yeah. week doesn't work or, you know, but I would say prioritize those one or two relationships that you want to go deeper with because that 
that's the juiciness of it. Give the URL again. You talked about building off yeah. the, how to yeah. build. A so thing. it's, it's, yep. It's that sucked. Now what.com forward slash resources. And these are for anybody who gets the book. This is the accompanied resources, yeah. which includes um, how to create your soul support posse. And that's our SSP, um, which is, you know, your people who are like-minded and who you want to drop in with and grow with and explore edges with as friendships. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's huge. And even that statistic that you gave 59% of people only cite one person who knows them deeply. I would even question that the efficacy of that study, because so you could say somebody knows me deeply. Yeah, but they, they may not, you may not feel connected with them. You may not feel like you have a healthy, authentic relationship. So, um, I'll, I'll you're right actually about that. Cause it could be like their mom that knows them deeply. I, yeah. But. Knows me deeply. I hate her, but she knows me deeply. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Health and wellness. So you mentioned, uh, triathlons and, and whatnot. Now I know you've got two little ones now and that changed changes things. So tell me about the, well, first off again, the, just the values. you look at health and wellness, what are, what rises to the surface as values for you, Anita? Oh, wow. Well, yeah. I mean, for a big part of my life, um, health and well-being, well, I want to say health was like number one top value, hmm. like it, no matter what, if it was health and relationships, those are my top two values. And, you know, now I've kind of, um, reframed it to say service like how am I contributing to the world and love, which love for the things that I'm doing, how I'm operating in the world, um, love for my body. So what am I putting into my body? How am I taking care of my body and love for the people in my life, which is also connection and relationships. But I also have, you know, connection relationships as, you know, a third value of mine. When we're talking about health and well-being, that's how I really ran my life. I mean, after my dad died, my mom died, you know, they all died of medical diseases. And and this really started to um, play a huge role. I wouldn't see it right away. Obviously, I became a cosmetic dentist. So, you know, in the health field. Right. Um, but this wouldn't really come into a huge play until after my divorce, where, yeah, I, I had all of the traditional trappings of success. I had, I bought my own, you know, medical practice. I had, you know, had large success with it. Even before I was 30, I had, you know, people working under me, doctors working under me. So I managed that part well, but things wouldn't, the dots wouldn't, you know, come together until after my, you know, my big dark night of the soul, my yeah. big awakening, uh, where I would leave that life and then start to shed parts of the things of myself that I was doing to please other people mm. and doing to please society and maybe even please the spirits of my parents, you mm. know, thinking that I would be getting their approval. And so a lot of those things I started to shed but I was also then working, you know, I remember even in my 20s, uh, you know, signing up and doing marathons and making sure I was running at least an hour a day. And then that was my 20s. My 30s was all about I did some crazy fad, different diets from juicing and cleansing and detoxing. And that was like my whole world because I wanted to make sure that I'm priming my body. I'm, I'm taking care of it. And I dove, you know, I could have just been a nutritional nut because that's really what I was um, back then. But 
I didn't take into account my emotional health. Mm. I was doing everything for physical health. I was doing everything for, um, you know, the, 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 the aesthetic benefits of it. Right. right. So diet and, and physical fitness, but I wasn't really integrating that with my emotions until I started to dive into more spiritual practices. So the yoga, the meditation, the somatic healing, the, um, the full body, you know, just, you know, screaming, yelling, um, really, uh, feeling into the emotions, which now a lot of the work is now kind of put into this book. Um, and so I don't work out as I think I've shifted my value system of the way that I view health and well-being. And now I say well-being because before it was just health and fitness. Yeah, perfect. And yeah. now I say well-being because it has to be a 360 integrated approach. Is it mind, body, spirit? And mind, body, spirit, where um, I'm not judging myself for what I'm eating. I'm like, okay, this is what my body needs right now. So I kind of do a lot of intuitive eating. Um, where before I was a self-proclaimed sugar addict, self-proclaimed, by the way. Okay. Um, and I think after my children, I was not emotionally eating anymore. And I would emotionally eat and then feel bad and then go and you know, go and spend an hour or two hours at the gym, walk it off, run it off or whatever, or work really hard the next day. And I think that's really what our society talks about versus what does it make you feel when you're actually eating these foods? And what kinds of foods do we go to when we are stressed? How are we masking those emotions with that eating component? Um, and are those two, you know, the same? Because that's, I mean, you know, that's that's all of it. And once I started to do like the deep dive in the emotional work and my emotional health and processing and screaming and doing the rage room, by the way, the rage room that I have is like what I've created. It's almost like, um, uh, you know, it could be branded or something like that at some point because, you know, it, it, it's it, I think it's one of those practices that when we get over the judgment of, oh my gosh, am I going to look crazy doing this? Why do I need to scream? Why do I need to shake my body out? You know, and I think that when we're getting into that practice of releasing and giving ourselves permission to release, then we're not holding in all that stuck resentment or judgment or self-sabotage or self-critic um, and that we're allowed to move forward. Uh, you know, in our life. So it's now well-being is is the big component for me. Well, I love the ethos. That's the deep dive that I'm always fishing for. And that's what you led with. So now just on the surface, what is the framework of, I'll start with exercise. So what are you doing on a consistent ba basis for your actual wow. movement exercise? Well, in this stage of my life, I, uh, so I had a, I think I, I started the other podcast with, we had, I had a challenge where it was like 10 days to suck at something new. And I wanted to do this a, as a fun way to get people excited about whatever movement protocol that they wanted to do. And most yeah. people, they want to lose weight and they want to do all these things. Well, I wanted to suck at doing a pull-up because for most of my life, it was only into like cardio and yeah. sports and all of that. I never really was uh, focused on strength training. 
And so one of the, I think, I, I don't know, I read somewhere and I don't know, even know if this is true. Cause I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not the, the big, um, uh, fit physical fitness geek anymore. Um, but I think that there was like a study or something came across my feed where I was, you know, the, your longevity is if you can hang on a bar for like, I, I think a minute or two minutes, I think for men, it's supposed to be four minutes. I could totally be making this up by the way. And, but for women, it's like, I don't know, a minute or two minutes and, and literally holding on like monkey right. bars or one of those pull-up bars. Well, I couldn't hold on for more than like 10 seconds. Mm. Okay. That's one. And two, there's no way I was ever going to be able to do a pull-up because that was just not. So I was like, okay, I'm going to suck at doing a pull-up and I'm going to do one pull-up, you know, uh, I think one or two pull-ups by the end of this year. And so that's been my goal. So what did I need to do to set myself up for success? I signed up with a trainer hmm. and in the beginning I said, okay, we're going to do three days a week. Well, couldn't make my schedule because obviously promoting a book at the time, but I'm like, without fail, I will be here you know, twice a week. So we, I've been strength training twice a week and, you know, I'll do my little, I'll, I'll infuse that with yoga. You know, I'll, I'll do my yoga stretches and things like that every day. Um, and if I can get a walk around our block mm -hmm. in between calls and things like that, that is, I mean, that's great for me and taking the kids rolling out, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but that is, that's what working out looks, you know, for me at the stage. How about nutrition? Just diet. Oof. I mean, you said that, that it's, you know, you can be uh, militant with that, but is it a, a more flex? So you're not judging yourself uh, for eating, but maybe not doing the sugar holic thing. Is there some kind of a framework that you follow? Yeah. So for me, I, I like to think of, I've, I've leaned more into intuitive eating where, uh, so my now husband, he comes from a philosophy from, uh, there's a small sect of folks in India, he's Indian, and a small sect of, of folks who um, come from the philosophy of Jainism, where they're kind of like, uh, they're kind of like Buddhists. And so... Um, basically they, you know, that they, they eat small portions, they eat only what they can, you know, finish. Uh, they don't take on too much. They don't really eat things that grow. I mean, there's a whole, there's very, you know, certain things that they do. They don't eat after dark. Um, they'll fast occasionally. And so there's this, you know, beautiful reverence of mm. of life. I don't follow all of that, but I think what I've taken away to incorporate in my own life is um and this happened actually, you know, after my son turned 2 because you know, then they become uh interesting eaters many times and I think, you know, this was like such a big reframe for me because for me growing up it was like finish everything on your plate. Mm. And so, and, and I didn't want to do that for my son. Well, you know, and he was very picky, you know, thanks. Thank you universe. He was very picky. So mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, I needed to reframe and shift how I thought about food, finishing meals, what that actually means. And, you know, now it's like, okay, are we done? So it's, it's kind of like if I'm teaching my son something, I want to be able to also bring it back to myself. Am I done eating right now? Do I feel satiated? Uh, and for me, nutrition goes, you know, I don't do dairy because that just doesn't work well for my body um, at this stage, as well as I do minimal gluten. And it's like, you know, pro do I have a protein? Do I have a carb? Um, 
And, you know, do I do I have veggies? That's kind of like my whole meal. What's interesting is ever since I had children, I don't do I'm not. um, Yeah, I don't do sugar anymore. It's very weird, but I have more of a savory tooth Mm -hmm. than a sweet tooth. And when I do have, um, you know, I'll, I'll savor a piece of chocolate and I do have, you know, uh, these things that I'll, I'll, you know, I'll make, but like, they're not, I mean, there was a time where I would go to the healthiest food stores and buy all, all of their raw vegan chocolate, mm-hmm. you know, adaptogen, superfood, et cetera, et cetera. And you're like, wow. And I think because... I think because I had such a restriction on what I was allowing myself to consume and it was so strict that you just want more of that. It's like, you know, when when there it's like a dry Sunday or no alcohol or whatever. I feel like my personality and this is knowing your RSA, my personality is more primed to break the rules or, you know, not follow through because I'm being restricted versus I live high up in the Rocky Mountains where the air is clean and fresh as possible, but then I step indoors and I'm breathing in untold amounts of toxins and allergens from paint and carpet and cleaning chemicals and pets and furniture and appliances and mold and so on. Studies show the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air anywhere you are, and in some places it's a hundred times worse than that. Well, the solution is to get an air purifier, and Air Doctor is just the best out there. It filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen and pet dander and dust mites and mold and even bacteria and viruses so your lungs don't have to try to do that. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com. You can use the promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get the special deal, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin. You know, having everything around you and say, okay, does my body need this right now? Am I feeling this right now? And allowing myself to enjoy, um, a piece of cake and not feel bad and not feel like, you know, if I went to the uh, uh, kid's birthday party and of course they're going to have sugar and all of the things, am I also going to restrict my son yeah. the same way, you know, where it's like, no, we can have this. And that's, that's all the, you know, the sweets that you're going to get today, but then, you know, let's enjoy it. Let's really enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. We got to that point. We're trying to make everything healthier, you know? So if you're going to have pizza and ultimately it's gluten-free crust and then cauliflower crust and then non-dairy cheese and and you go that, and I'm not dissing that at all, but I remember the day when I finally said, you know what? We eat so clean, so healthy. The day that I want pizza, can we just, I'm going to get pizza. I want the full, yeah. I, I want the gluten, the cheese. I'm going to do everything. Give me the, let's gluten load it, load it up. Do it. And then we'll go back to the clean eating. So I feel you on that journey. Okay. Well, it's a piece of this. So, you know, exercise, nutrition, then on the mental health, what are your daily practices? I, again, and you talked about this a little bit in spirituality, but um, what are the things that you're doing that may be spiritual, may not be, but you're doing to get that deposit that ritual as you talked about for your mental well-being so uh for me it's you know and i have um 
basically, well, I have this practice, but I, I do like a, it's a 10 minute grounding meditation that I'll do, um, every day. And actually for those book buyers, again, you can actually grab the, the free, it's a five day healing, um, practice and the first day and i start this off every day but the first day is like healing your relationships and Mm. it starts with healing relationships with yourself so i will play that uh it's a recorded meditation and it's also a visualization but you know i put my hand over my heart and some days i can only get through half of it right five minutes because kids need me and all the things but i try to do this meditation during the time that i actually have in the day for myself like either they're you know at school or you know daycare or whatever but i'll have this time for myself and it's just my reflection to go inward Hmm. and basically you know it's visualizing a white light and you know showering me with um and it's it's really priming me or charging me up with all of the feel-good you know um hormones and and juju for the day and really allowing me to energetically clean out Mm. what didn't serve the night before and a way to do an energetic wash and this is just this can just be through meditation or visualization but you know uh what is available it's basically a visualization of white light that it is cleansing you it's almost like a beam of white light that's Mm. cleansing you from your head all the way down to your toes and you're visualizing you know the the light hitting your head going all the way down to your shoulders all the way down um kind of like a a full you know wash and that allows me to you know cleanse for the day that's like my energetic cleanse and if I don't have time to do that, what I will do is put my hand over my heart and do just a breathing exercise because mm-hmm. I'll incorporate a little bit of breath work. And we know how breath work can be really helpful, mm-hmm. um, especially when we are cleansing our nervous system, allowing ourselves to breathe. Many times we are not breathing in our belly. And so I put my hand over my heart. You know, you could also put your hand over your belly but do three rounds of breathing. So you're just deeply breathing and then you hold it in for three seconds and you breathe out three seconds. There are other ways where, you know, I'll have you do like a box breathing where you'll do four, four, four. Um, Because, you know, sometimes time is limited. We can, we, we do three times, but just to check in with ourselves, And then the last thing, what I really love. So this is a combination of movement and, um, and, or, uh, you know, journaling. I've always been a journaler, always, always. It's why, you know, when you get the book, you get a 44 page guide because literally journaling has, I want to say also saved my life. Mm. Um, and, you know, we kind of write down, it's like your POC, your personal observation check-in. How did today go? What are you proud of? You know, what were those wins? What didn't go as expected? What did you find out about yourself, right? Or what did you learn about yourself? Uh, And so it's just kind of doing that mental check-in. But, you know, to really put it in full practice, I will play a song and I have a whole bunch of playlists, whether I'm like raging, I have a rage mm-hmm. playlist that I want to just like, you know, move the energy and like dance all around my home. And I'll do this with my kids because they think it's funny. And we get the wiggles out and the jiggles out. And it's so easy to learn from them because they're like, wow, if they had a bad day, you know, they're throwing the pillows on the floor mm-hmm. and 
you know, we don't judge them for that, but we judge ourselves if we're going to do that. So to have a practice that we're actually like moving and lifting things. And, uh, and I think it's good for us as well, because we're also moving the stagnant energy that we've been holding in. Um, and so we do that for one song, maybe two songs to shake it all out, to move it all out. But if you think about it, one song is three minutes, two song is two songs is maybe max five or six minutes, but there you go. You have a full, like cleansing practice for yourself. You can do this while you're in the car, um, driving to the next thing and just like bopping your head. You know, I always like love it when I see somebody jamming at a traffic stop sign, you know, to music with like reckless abandon. They just don't care. And I'm like, yes, that's amazing. That's what we we should all be doing. You know, then we would have less road rage on the road. I think of grounding. You talk about grounding meditation. I think about yeah. that in so many different ways and just to, yeah, to release things to, I do a lot of the box breathing. You talked to earlier about shoulders up. That's me, man. Get the shoulders <laughs> down. And then my grounding, I, I, my favorite thing is to get home, uh, get the shoes off and feet on there. And we have a concrete floor that's just oh, wow. inches over the, over the ground. Uh, it's a unique thing up in the mountains that we have. But that, if not just going outside and just putting my feet on the ground and just, gosh, we stay so unconnected to, as you're talking about, you know, from the ground to ourselves overall. But thank you for that. The the next one here, Nita, is work and uh, work career business. You know, what do you value there? What are you practicing? And the, one of the things that you mentioned earlier in this part two, a couple times in regards to work, I think you're talking about spirituality and you talked about contributing. I heard you say that. I think you said that twice. So I put a note down here that as we're talking about the values of work, I'm going to guess that that's one of your initial values is looking at or gauging how you're contributing. Absolutely. I think contribution is huge um, as to how we are sharing our gifts. But it also, I think purpose is also a big value of mine. Like purpose alignment is this you know, is this in alignment with me right now? What am I meant to be doing? And I think, you know, when I used to hear this, because of course, one of the companies I run is a, you know, it's a discovery or purpose company, basically. Um, And, and, you know, I think that a lot of times, we think that we have to stay in a certain, you know, job or um, something that we are good at doing because we're so sure. good at it for years, but then we lose our drive and then we lose our sense of, you know, purpose to, you know, to, to live or even live our best life because either we're so afraid of starting something new, or maybe we just don't know what that thing is. We haven't taken the time to figure that out. And I think, you know, for me, I bake it in. And this is like how my husband and I actually have been able to co-create in such a big way in all of the projects that we do because you know there is not only a self check-in uh weekly and that's baked into kind of how we run our life and run you know the multiple businesses but also even when we come into a business partnership with all of our different partners is to say hey are we still on the same tune mm-hmm. are we still in alignment is are, are you you know or are you still on the same Uh, purpose train as we were two months ago, a month ago, because I think it's really, you know, interesting where we forget to check in with each other. And, 
you know, things can change and that's great to support that. So, okay, then we say, well, okay, what is in alignment at this stage and season? And can we actually fit, you know, what you desire and what I desire? And, um, and, you know, a big example of this was in the last few years, as you know, you're writing your book uh, and your book's going to be coming out, but it takes a big commitment to write a book and put everything together. And this was not my first book, it was my fourth book. But still, I was. We were doing it in the midst of having a child, uh, my daughter, my second, you know, child, and I. We had a toddler at home, and so Ajit and I, my partner, had to. We had to come together to say, okay, you're going through this big season, and you know, he's also going through a season. So we had to actually say, all right, I will play catch all at home while you go do this thing but there's there's gotta be because we knew our main value is purpose and i'm like all right this gives me purpose this gives me you know contribution i'm so excited to tell people about how to embrace the magic in the mess and find joy in chaos and so that was indirect alignment yet there were also other things and this is how we value like when projects or things feel stale i had to put down you know a few things in one of our businesses Um, a few different programs and even membership to make space for this new big baby coming out. And I think that, you know, before we had this protocol, we would say, oh, okay, if it's bringing revenue in, just say yes to it. But now I've added a caveat to that. Well, if it's bringing revenue in, first of all, is that where you see yourself in alignment, you know, three years from now or Mm -hmm. two years from now? Because if not, then maybe we should start, you know, if it's not like, if it's not giving you joy, providing that joy, or if it's like an energy suck, then maybe we need to reevaluate that. And that's how I've gotten much closer and easier to say, wow, I really love this thing, but man, I'm not feeling that same joy as I am. And, And is this new thing that I'm creating going to be really, you know, is that really exciting where I can definitely double down on that? And of course, this is the plight of the entrepreneur, right? Right. Because we're, we're always, we're, we have to bake that in to see what's in alignment. And, um, but I think this is also a way of life too, uh, to see it's kind of like that spring cleaning in your closet of what is in alignment and what's not, what's working and what's not, what do we need to let go of that we're so afraid of? And what is it going to open up to new and different possibilities and opportunities that perhaps are taking up that space right now because we have so many tabs open. You've got, we talked about, or you talked about so often in part one, RSA, radical self-awareness. And you have me in this, uh, I'm making notes over here, PAA, that in my work, purpose alignment awareness, that Mm. am I continually revisiting that purpose alignment awareness? Because you are like where a lot of my guests are, you know, even myself with books coming out and podcasts and new people, there's so many opportunities and I can get caught up in the, almost an anxiety of being a part of everything. And like you said, if it's going to help everything, you know, be a part of it, but does it come back? So I'll attribute that to you. I got to do my, my NIDA PAA purpose alignment awareness. Does that fit? In I there? love that. Sounds like a great that. opportunity, but it's just not there. So I'm going to pass and I need to, and then we'll bring back Nedra in and just say no. 
with my bank. Yeah, exactly. Just say no to everything. Just say well on that on on money. That's the next pillar here on the the money values, and you just talked about that to some degree. That just because it is making money does not mean that it is something that we need to do or we need to continue doing and right. allowing things to have seasons. So, uh, so I'll ask that on with yourself and your businesses how, where your money values and practices lie. Yeah. I mean this, so the, gosh, it was such a, you know, the money value was such a big one for me um, because it started out with, okay, wow. Like I have this thing going where, you know, this started with my first business um, as a, you know, as a healthcare practitioner, having my own practice and it kept growing 20% to 30% year over year. And without literally me being there, first I was there six days a week, then I dropped down to pretty much two days a month. And we were still bringing in the revenue that um, we were bringing in. And also uh, I was able to travel. I was able to do other things. I started investing in other companies. That's why I became an angel investor. I started another consulting company because people were like other, you know, burnt out dentists, doctors, you Mm. know, uh, lawyers and um, physicians, they were like, what are you doing? You know, I didn't even have a family at, at this time. And so I knew that there was something to the leadership that I wanted to bring in from a, an approach of play and, you know, joy and fun um, because you can build a business around those pillars. Yeah. But I was also at a very different season and stage of my life where I started to dabble in different things. I started a nonprofit. I was starting to speak more on stages, um, you know, for the nonprofit. But I think more people wanted to know just kind of around my story. And that's really what jump started my work into really connecting the dots around resilience and grit. And so, you know saying yes to these new things while saying, oh, wow, this is just bringing in revenue and this is stable. But what it was doing for me was keeping me grounded in Chicago. Mm. And I couldn't spend all that time in California. I couldn't, you know, I was constantly on a flight and I knew that I needed to shift gears and reevaluate because at this point I had just bought the building. I had just, you know, started the ground breaking on adding two more what we would call like operatories. So, you know, to to increase the the practice. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm doing this because these financial gurus are saying this would look good. And actually yeah. this would look really good for your portfolio and you can minimize taxes and all these things. So you know, theoretically and logically, it sounded good, but was it good for me in that stage of life where I was going? And so again, I, I contributed the same practice that, you know, I do even now is what do, where do I see myself three years from now? Hmm. And I, there was a, it was a whole meditation and, and I started just journaling and I'm like, oof, no, I don't see myself in Chicago. I don't see myself doing dentistry. I don't. And that was a big one. I don't see myself doing, having this practice. And then there it was. And it was, you know, and so I needed to make those hard decisions to sell. But once I did, you know, six months later, boom. And literally this is kind of the same criteria that I've, you know, now my now husband and I, we apply to all of our projects. All right. In three years from now, um, you know, it's kind of like the three-year assessment, Mm -hmm. basically like three years from now, what is it that we want, 
you know, to be doing. I remember when I had my son, what, what, what is it that you want to be doing three years from now? I'm like, okay, writing my next book. And he's now four. Well, you know, that came. And so I think that when we start to visualize it, we say it out loud or we write it down and well, we say it out loud, but then we write it down because, you know, we, we, we want to actually see and put it into play into the universe to see, okay, let's, let's go after and let's make these dreams a reality. And we start to make room for them, whether it's energetically or physically. And I, I think that's, you know, that's the big one. So with money, it's been, it's not just, okay, is this a, a revenue driver for me? That's one, but it's, is it a revenue driver? Is it something that I want to do three years from now? And, um, three, do I have the skill set or do I need to bring other people in mm, as yeah. well? Yeah. You know, last one here, Nita is, mm-hmm. and I've, I've, I keep, I always reframe, uh, it, it kind of evolves. It's all, it's the personal area, but lately been asking, thanks to a guest who brought this out, the things that you do that are, I'm going to err, not err, but push on the side of non-productive things. Mm-hmm. Not that you do that just gives you energy that inspires you. Mm-hmm. Not that it can't be productive, but we're trying because I know all these things are productive. You know, every area of your life, of course, is part of why you're here and uh, a leader and an influencer. They all inspire you, give you energy. But these are the things that may fall on the non-productive side. Anything jump oh, out? Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, I think uh, for me, giving myself blocking my time in the day where it's just thinking time. Hmm. And you know, some people are kind of like, oh wow what what is that for and i think in the past i would judge myself for this because i'm like oh i only have a certain window of time you know in the day i've got to get it all done and while for me it's seasons of that but now i think the introducing space in our calendar space in our life allows us to pause and we can learn from some of the sages and you know I think even there's a there's a maybe there's a quote from Warren Buffet's uh, where he you know blocks certain time in, in his schedule and it's like he'll block the whole day uh, and that's basically the pause. Yeah. Can we allow ourselves to pause and rest? And for me, that was really reshifting the way that I thought about pausing and resting when I was younger because. I would see, oh gosh, you know, working hard meant you're working hard at all hours of the day. And that meant success. And if you're pausing or resting or, you know, blocking time, that means you're wasting time and you're lazy. And now, because when we take our moments to take a break or to walk or to slow down, we can then start to actually invite ourselves to really think and reflect on the things that we want to do that lights us up and it connects us back to ourself. And so while it might be unproductive to be in, you know, the bath for two hours or something like that, 
I think it's actually soul food for ourselves to have that, you know, spiritual, emotional, and mental reset so that we can do the big things in our life and show up big for the people um, that we want to show up for. It, it reminds me of the grounding again that you talked about earlier, that taking the time to ground ourselves. I think it was uh, two weeks ago, Michael Hyatt on the show, and he said on this on this area, the non-productive time, he says, I'm finally getting to the point of feeling like my non-productive times, efforts, activities, exercises are my most productive things uh, that I yeah. do in my life. Hey, thank so you. Thank you for, uh, again, just, just your candor, candor. And I am so aware that you have so many things based on the ethos that you know is yours, kind of back to the RSA, the radical self-awareness as being the foundation for that. So thanks for leading in that and giving that flavor to our entire discussion. It's been a pure joy. Thank you. Thank you for the book. I'm excited to give this to the audience. I'm excited to keep chewing on it for my own benefit. Thank you, Nita. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Kevin. This was amazing. It was. All right. Dr. Nita Bouchon. Again, the book is That Sucked, Now What? How to Embrace the Joy in Chaos and Find Magic in the Mess. Uh, and if you go to thatsuckednowwhat.com, Nita has a free 44-page guide that you can have. And I also mentioned in the intro uh, the document she has on how to create authentic relationships, which you just heard us talk about. And you can go get that at the same URL with an add-on, uh, thatsuckednowwhat.com slash resources. And she'll send that to you. And I'm not done with Nita and this topic. I've got a part three episode coming up where I invite back Richie Norton. He's the author of Anti-Time Management, uh, who was on the show with me a few months ago. Richie knows loss. That's why I invited him on, just like Nita does. And he has been tremendous in bouncing back after, well, things that sucked and really reveling in life amidst its challenges. Thank you for tuning into the Self-Helpful Podcast, where I strive to help you and me elevate our personal experience of life and the way we show up for others. Stay driven, my friends. Stay driven.